You're listening to The Red Tales, the Moddy Body Red podcast, which candidly celebrates the messy and iconic parts of our teenage years and our bodies. From juggling changing friendship groups, dealing with first heartbreaks, and waking up to changing body parts, our teenage years are filled with the most defining and often cringeworthy moments of our lives. Luckily, we're not alone. Moddy Body Red is the sustainable, easy to use period underwear for tweens and teens. It gives us the best protection against period leaks and stains, so we can ditch the pads and get on with living our best lives. I'm Sasha Meany, your host, and every fortnight I'll be joined by a young Aussie who isn't afraid to open up about the all-too-relatable moments from their teenage years and how they lived to tell the tale. Spoiler alert, make sure you listen to the very end of each podcast as we'll share with you our special Moddy Body discount code. Doing things on our own can be daunting. Daunting, but also freeing. Going out for lunch, buying a new pair of jeans, traveling the world. You learn to trust yourself. You gain independence and confidence. You develop problem-solving skills. You understand yourself better. You're free from external pressures and the list goes on. But it can also be very scary and intimidating. When I was 18, I planned my own solo trip. I wasn't scared initially because my mum had travelled throughout her 20s alone and had so many magical stories of romance and last-minute adventures. I was so excited to leave, but when I got there, I was instantly terrified. The first night was filled with anxiety. I slept in a shared dorm with only men and experienced harassment walking the streets. I would get on the wrong train and end up in countries unplanned. But eventually I found my feet. I learnt to say no to do the smart thing and book rooms that were smaller and exclusively women so that I felt safer. I started saying yes to social activities in hostels and going for a coffee with people after a walking tour. Travelling alone meant I stopped putting pressure on myself to have a good time. It's one of the biggest lessons I learned. Today's guest, Lucy Allen, shares her first experience of solo travel, some of the lessons she's learned and why she thinks it's a valuable experience for everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Lucy. Thanks, Sash. How are you today? I'm so good. I ventured out of the house and it happens to be pouring. Miserable. Yeah. (laughs) My luck. What can you do? What can you do? And you're here today to talk to us about solo travel, Mm -hmm. which is very near and dear to my heart as well because I did it when I was 18 and I just think it's responsible for all of my personality. Totally. So tell me about your first experience traveling by yourself. Well, around a similar age, kind of 18, 19, I did a few kind of like one or two night trips by myself, which was kind of testing the water, super local to where I lived. But then in 2019, um, I bit the bullet and I did a solo trip in New Zealand, which was super fun and kind of off the back of a trip I was doing with a group of people. Wow. So you've had like both ends of the coin. So you know, (laughs) pros and cons to both. When you were doing those little solo trips, was that in preparation, like knowing that you wanted to travel away by yourself or was it actually just, oh, no, I want to go away for a couple of days and I'll do it alone? Yeah, I'd say it was probably a little bit of both. I've always wanted to be able to do a bit of a longer stint by myself. Um, I think mostly to challenge my own comfort around Mm -hmm. being alone. So I'd say they were in preparation for that, but 
I also find it's the best way for me to reset when life gets hectic, maybe a bit of escapism, but actually heading away and having 24, 48 hours by myself, a lot of head noise, but then it quietens um, and I find it super restorative. Have you always lived with lots and lots of people? Is that why you need your alone time? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. I grew up in a family of five, so... Five kids? No, sorry, five of us all together (laughs) and two dogs, so perhaps seven. Still busy, yeah. Very busy, um, but I'm someone that likes to socialise but needs to balance that with <laughs> time alone. Yeah. So I think that's where my love of solo travel but desire to spend that time alone also has come from. Mm-hmm. And so how did you start planning the trip that you were going to take by yourself? I mean, we can start with either the smaller ones or the longer ones or actually scrap that. Go back to the first trip that you went by yourself. Mm. What was that like? Um, so I went down the coast to a little tiny house. Um, and I, I don't know, I booked it on a whim. Um, and I packed my car and off I went and, you know, I had one book with me and not much else. And I arrived there and I was like, cool. Okay. I've made it. I've actually left my house and (laughs) gone to this destination alone. And then the crickets kind of set in and you're kind of going, okay, I've got two days of nothing but me, this tiny house and a horse. Couldn't ride the horse. It Um, came with the house. (laughs) It came came with the house. Um, And, you know, immediately I find myself like grasping for distractions and like texting everyone that I know and working out, you know, how many different activities and things can I do to fill that time. And time does go slowly. Like those 48 hours felt like a week But I think that's what the magic of solo travel is sometimes as well. Um, But that also taught me that I think there's a difference between travelling solo and being completely by yourself Mm. versus travelling solo around other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you feel was the energy like frantic in terms of booking (laughs) things for yourself to do or did you just not notice that you were subconsciously trying to fill in your time? Yeah. I mean, there was nothing that I could book. I was kind of in the middle of nowhere. I could go for a walk and I could cook food. I definitely ate a lot, which was great. I made delicious food because I had all of that time, but it really forced me to actually not do anything as well. Was there a reason for you going off and by yourself or was it just like a... Again, I think it comes back to this like we live such hectic lives. There's got to be, you know, if you're, if you're tilting one way into this like big social life and seeing people constantly, I always feel this need to tilt back into a bit of peace. Yeah. And maybe it is a little bit extreme, but I did find that very first experience quite extreme and like quite shocking to the system, which Mm. is why when I planned my New Zealand trip, I was like, right, we're going hostels. We're going somewhere where other people will be, where there are activities to do. Yeah. Because I think it's important that you are around other people if Mm. you are traveling solo. 100% agree. Or at least have like a balance of it. Yeah. So that, you know, when I went traveling by myself, the first place I went to, my family knew somebody there. And as much as I was like 18 and angsty and like wanted to be alone (laughs) and, you know, explore the world by myself, when I first got there and I was alone initially, I freaked out and like I fast tracked to go and see that person Mm -hmm. rather than waiting the full length of time before I was going to go like originally meet them. I was like, no, I need to see somebody that speaks English now because I'm about to die, like that kind of attitude. And it's just, I guess, like 
weird to realize how much your body can physically react to something mentally. Like I was vomiting oh, yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know about you. But <laughs> well, I remember, so on my New Zealand trip, I went to, um, the West Coast and I stayed in a hostel near Mount Cook National Park and it's quite a small town and I remember my first night in this hostel and it was my first night I'd ever stayed in a hostel. Actually, no, that's a lie. Second time I'd stayed in a hostel, my first experience, it had been, you know, this buzz of activity with hundreds of people. But this small New Zealand town, there was maybe, you know, 15 other people. And I remember so clearly sitting in the common room by myself on this couch, kind of people watching, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, something that I love to do, but also feeling so hyper aware of myself in that moment and feeling like as I was watching other people, they were watching me and, you know, questioning why I was alone and what I was doing there and what was I going to do next. And it was such a visceral experience. Like you said, like I felt quite a lot of anxiety that first day and found that I actually had to leave and, you know, go for a hike that always solves the world's problems. But I found that after kind of that first that first step into that space, like after a couple of hours, my body did settle and, you know, settled into a new rhythm. And I don't know about you, but I stopped worrying about what other people were thinking about me because everyone's there to actually just have a good time and do all sorts of different things. And that's when I found that meeting new people and having those incidental conversations really opened up because I had actually stopped worrying so much about what I was doing and feeling and started paying attention to the people that I was with. I fully agree. I think like when I first went traveling, my mum, I remember messaging her and being like, I'm not having fun. Like I thought this was meant to be fun. Everybody says that they've done these amazing things and I can't even like talk to somebody. Mm. Um, What's wrong with me? And my mum was just like, there are going to be days where you meet nobody. And there are going to be days where you meet too many people and you are overwhelmed. And you just got to learn to kind of like take both as being equal and not one as being better than the other. Mm-hmm. Because when you have one, you're going to miss the latter. You know what I mean? It's so true. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned was not setting too many expectations mm. for a trip alone. Because exactly like you said, you kind of imagine that you're going to meet people constantly and that's the only way you're actually going to enjoy yourself but it's not the reality and it's important that you're not meeting people constantly um but I think reminding myself that you know it was okay if I hadn't actually met any new people and funnily enough it was the really incidental encounters where you do meet people and you're open to it that were the most fun absolutely and there's nothing like when you're traveling by yourself how open you are to speaking to new people. I don't know what it is. Maybe they can sniff vulnerability on you. (laughs) I don't know. But but it's like this thing of like, I will talk to anybody. (laughs) It's so true. Okay, boy, do I have a story for you? Because so there was this glowworm tunnel where I was staying that was this 30 meter pitch black tunnel that when you walked into the middle of it, you could see glowworms everywhere. Don't know why. Freaking love the idea of glowworms. So yeah. I was like, top of the list, I'm going to this tunnel. But I also really hate the dark. So as I'm walking there, I'm walking behind these two guys and I'm like, great, I can follow them into the tunnel. There was one track in, there was no way they were going anywhere else. 
We're about like three minutes off this tunnel and these boys just veer off the side of the cliff, decide to, I don't know, walk somewhere else, whatever. Oh. <laughs> As in like, no, 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 no. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> there was no cliff jumping happening. They just, for whatever reason, decided to go off trail. So I'm like, oh my God, the people that I was going to, you know, probably have to hold hands with to get through this dark tunnel have now gone. So I keep walking to the tunnel and I wait there for 20 minutes for these people to arrive. Who don't know that you're waiting for them. They, I mean, no reason. They don't know. I can, when they turn up, I can tell them, hey, guys, I've already been three times, don't know about you, but they never show up. And so it gets to this 20-minute mark and I'm literally like walking up to the front of the tunnel and I'll like walk two metres in and I actually cannot walk any further. It's so dark. I'm completely alone. I know the glow worms are just a few <laughs> metres away, but I can't do it to myself. Anyway, this was such a like, do I, don't I, I'm going to have massive regrets if I don't do it, but I couldn't. Mm. I could not walk through that tunnel. So in defeat, I turn around and start walking back down this track and I get maybe halfway back to the hostel and this group of four people start walking up the track. And it was the most eclectic bunch of human beings. Yeah. Um, between them, they were speaking three different languages. And typically, if I were anywhere else, I would just like say, hey, and keep walking. Must have been my desire to see those glow worms <laughs> because I flagged them down and cracked up a conversation and told the story and said, I just need people to come through the glow worm tunnel with me and sure enough we ended up spending like the next two days with each other ah yes 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 yes. and there's just no way that I would have done that otherwise and it's this it's this weird like desperate courage that you get when you're in those situations when you want something so badly and as you said you're just so much more open to other people um and cracking up those conversations and they're also necessary because like so I'm thinking about specifically when I was in by myself, I rocked up to a hostel and they were like, we're going to go get food. And I looked at all of them and me being the judgy little person that I was, I was like, (laughs) none of you look like I would be friends with you usually. Do I go? And then I was like, no, you just say yes, you just go. And Mm -hmm. so it went, it was the most awkward, stilted conversation (laughs) of my life. It was so bad. Like would could go down in history as the worst conversation. I think we talked about tax in America. A universal experience. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody in the world knows about tax. And um, and then after that, that evening, I mean, we started like playing like drinking games and things, and we met more people and like the little group of people started to grow and um and then one of the guys was like we're gonna go to this there's like a bone church in Prague everything's made out of skulls and skeletons he was like we're gonna go let's do it let's do it and I was like Yes, we'll go. We'll we'll do that. And hungover me is like brought out of bed in the middle of the morning being like, let's go, let's get on the train. I was on the train. I was asleep. There was this South American guy. He's huge, barely spoke English. He like tucks me in in the corner of the train. Oh, my gosh. Gives me a little blanket because he knows how tired (laughs) I am. And it's like we have terrible conversations. But the amount of care that people have Mm, for each other when they're mm. travelling alone and they see somebody else who is also travelling alone and they just like they just sense it and they they get it. 
Yeah, it's so true. Once you travelled solo, you get it and you're so right. You look out for other people. You know what that experience is, is like and it's such a vulnerable experience. And I think often, at least when I was younger, you hear a lot of horror stories yes. about what it's like to Taken. travel solo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I think it can be really hard to overcome that idea that the world is a dangerous place, particularly for those that identify as a woman. Like Mm. I think that's a huge barrier to overcome, but there are safe spaces where you can test that out. I mean, like, you know, even just going to a movie by yourself starts to kind of test the water a little bit. And there are plenty of super beautiful people in the world Mm. that outweigh the awful ones. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned like you were like all good things in the world, like hiking. I can't relate to that. Um, But, you know, (laughs) each to their own, each to their their own. When you're traveling, you start to realize like, I'm feeling anxious. What do I? So for me, it was, I would just go into any bookstore in the world and Mm. I'd just sit there and I would like go like shelf by shelf by shelf. And maybe the titles aren't even in English, but I found the smell really great for me. Mm. (laughs) Or you go into a Macca's and you sit on Wi-Fi just for a little bit. Those kinds of coping strategies, you learn about yourself through them. So like you learned you love hiking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, you can always find a hash brown in the world. Always in Macca's or you can go to an art gallery and get free Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Like you start to develop like a little plan B, plan C checklist of like Mm -hmm. if I don't have enough people, if I don't, if I'm not feeling comfortable, if I'm not in the right state of mind, Mm -hmm. these are the activities that I like default to. Yeah. Even if I am in another part of the world and I should be seeing every, you know, every site known to mankind. I mean, there's only so many churches one can see in Europe. <laughs> and sometimes uh-huh. you do just need to nap. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that applies to everyday life. Like mm. that checklist, right? You know, life's not easy, breezy, beautiful. There are times where you feel disconnected from people and that you need a break and that you need a sense of stability and something to hold on to. And I think that checklist of things that you work out when you are in those uncomfortable situations is so useful to have every day as well. Did you have any tactics to stay safe when you're traveling alone? I'm a big planner. So I'd done a lot of kind of mapping out where I wanted to go, the things that I wanted to see. And I think most importantly for me was sharing that with people who knew where I was going to be. But I'd also obviously chosen New Zealand because I knew that it was a relatively safe country. I'd been there a handful of times beforehand. Um, And then I don't know, keeping your wits about you, staying in contact with other people and just having common sense. Absolutely. Same thing with me, checking in with my mum. Every new city I went to, I'd be like, I'm here now. Yeah. Like I've just, I've gotten here. You know, I imagine if I had gone off the grid for a couple of days, my mum would have been anxious and all she would have been like is like, I just need a yes. I just need a, yeah. I just need a, I'm fine. Then you can go back. Yeah. <laughs> just give me something. Just give any me, sort of sign. I need to know you're alive. Because <laughs> the first night that I got to, when I was traveling by myself, I got dragged around by this random man because I just didn't know how to say no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought sad. he was being so nice. <laughs> and I have these photos that he's, because I even gave him my phone. Oh. He was like, I'll take a photo of you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I gave him my phone. (laughs) You can see my eyes. I look like I'm about to be killed. (laughs) I'm smiling. But my eyes are like, help, help. And it's just after that learning to say no. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a nice guy. I'm sure you're not going to kidnap me. But no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Having those boundaries and knowing how to say no. But also yes, as we've talked about. But also saying yes. Mm. 
yeah, being in touch with your fight and flight body response. If your gut's telling you it's wrong, that's when you should go. Mm. If you can recognize that it's just that you can't be asked to make conversation, you should probably just make conversation if you're traveling alone. And or just go it. to bed. Or just either go to bed. option. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever feels right at the time. Exactly. <laughs> and what advice would you have for like other solo travelers? Not like necessarily even safety tips or whatever, but just mm. general advice. Look, I don't know. I can probably speak to those that are doing solo travel as well as those that are probably on the fence and haven't done it before because I think there's a lot of tips and tricks out there, you know, Mm. for solo trips. But I think just doing it, just taking that leap and taking a step, even if you don't follow through, like going onto Airbnb and looking through a list of accommodation and, you know, going, yep, I'm going to block out this weekend to do something by myself. Um, Any little step that you can take to become more comfortable on your own, I think, lends you to taking bigger steps down the road, whether it's taking yourself out to dinner or going to a movie by yourself, going away for a weekend or a week or a month even. Um, and then I'd say doing doing your research yeah. and making sure that you're you're choosing places that are relatively safe, but also that you'll feel relatively safe in as well. And like for me, you know, the next step is going somewhere that I haven't been before. Whereas as I mentioned, you know, New Zealand, I'd been there a couple of times. So it was quite a familiar territory for me. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for your sage words of wisdom. Thank you. Pleasure, Sash. Thanks for having me. So you want to see the world. Well, there are a few things you can do beforehand as well as on your trip to make it a meaningful and safe experience. One, get comfortable doing things on your own. Start small by going for a walk to get a coffee. Then take things to the next level by going shopping or out for lunch or to a doctor's appointment on your own. Doing things by yourself when you'd usually have support from others helps you trust your own judgment and decision-making ability. Two, pick your destination. Certain countries have different safety ratings for solo travel, especially for women. This is searchable online at smarttraveler.gov.au and it's always changing, so make sure to give it a look before booking a trip. Three, find like-minded people. While you may be traveling solo, you're never alone. Wherever you go, there will be other solo travelers and chances are they're looking for the same experiences and connections that you are. Seek them out and find your own mini support network. They're online and they're also in hostels. Four, protect yourself. Certain opportunities may present themselves, but only you can make a judgment on if you feel equipped to do it or not. Trust your gut and know your limits. Protecting yourself can also mean being smart about who you share your identity with, looking after your belongings, and always having an exit strategy if you feel unsafe. Five, have fun. It's what solo travel is all about. You'll meet incredible people. You'll have life-changing experiences. And best of all, you'll learn how to be your own best friend. It may be a cliche, but it's true. Thanks for listening to The Red Tales, the Muddy Buddy Red podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in to today's episode, related a bit too much to the story, or learned something new, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. 
If you're curious about our underwear and you'd love to give it a try, head to our website and use our exclusive code REDTAILS15 for 15% off. You can even join the Red Squad by signing up on our website to receive exclusive VIP offers. Lastly, to keep up with all things red, make sure to follow us on Instagram at modibody_red. underscore red. Remember, life is messy, but your period doesn't have to be.